So, you clicked play on some podcast you've never heard of before. That's pretty cool. I'm pretty happy you did so. Welcome to D2B2 Sports. This is our inaugural episode. We recorded this uh, content actually way back in February after purchasing the first parts of our gear collection. And at the time, we knew we weren't going to be releasing anything for a while. We recorded more backlogging a bit of timeless material such as this. So be warned, any references made to games are quite old. So you hear us talking about football games from January. That's why. Anyway, I hope you dig what you listened to. And uh, I hope you can learn something along the way because this episode is called Gambling 101. Sports Gambling Podcast. The inaugural version of the D2B2 Sportscast. First ever, baby. It feels good to be finally doing this for you. We are feeling hype. We got some new equipment. We are stacked to the gills in new equipment here. We got our headphones on. We got some mics. We're feeling pretty hype about this. Yes, we are. That is some immaculate applause right there for our, our excitement. First ever soundbite. First ever soundbite. Throwing it at you. I got a little bit fired up about that. Oh, God, I love when you get fired up. Oh. Well, get we ready. should probably introduce ourselves here. My name is Derek Weber. Derek. Derek. My name is Nikki Sager. Hey, Nikki, cover Winkler in bees. And welcome. This is D2B2 Sports, baby. We Coming are at watching you live from the Saber Recording Studios. Oh yeah, deep in the Saber Recording Studios. And so if deep. you want to think of that as Saber, like the swords, you can. If you want to think of that as Saber. Like the uh, office supplies and printer company from the office. Also you can. classic. Yeah. Also, if you want to get down to it, you can just call it a collaboration of our two last names. Yeah, I mean that's the ultimate thing that it really is. But I like people to have alternatives in their lives. I like alternatives, and I also like office supplies. That's true. I mean, we all need office supplies. As boring as they feel, as we're using them, it's a thing that we all kind of rely on in our day to day lives, even. If we're not office-type people, you need pens. You need. I am paper. not an office-type person, but I I'm do not. like pens. I also feel like Post-it notes, maybe the most underrated of all office supplies. Dude, honestly, I need a better collection of Post-it notes, as in I don't own any right now. And well, how do I, like, I don't even know how I get by in my day-to-day life without posting notes about. How do you post anything? I don't. I, that, that's a, a current flaw in my get-down. How do you note anything? Ooh, I, uh, I take notes to self a lot. Mm. But other people can't read those. Those are not as shareable. It's a mental post. Yeah, mental post. Yeah. But we are here in this inaugural episode to kick off. We want to explain the world of gambling terminology to people. We feel like as sports gambling becomes legal across the 50 states, as more and more states finally cave and get down on their get down and finally let the legalized gambling flow... There's going to be a lot of new people, such as possibly yourselves if you're tuning into this, that get on these apps and see all these different betting styles and see the pluses and the minuses and see the game lines and don't really know what they're looking at. I know for me, I know for me when I first got into sports gambling, I certainly had a little bit of a tough time really understanding the very basic terminology that it, in sports gambling. To me, whenever I see like a plus, I feel like that should have meant like the team is 
favored by that when in fact it's kind of the opposite they're favored to lose by that everybody seems to have that mentality it's really really interesting i've had this conversation with uh i want to say my last four uh girlfriends plus or minus (laughs) it's uh i think that the the normal reaction is that it's it's backwards but i have a very simple way of explaining this which we're going to get to in time yeah, no, and, and once you know it, obviously you know it. And that's, uh, that's the beauty of doing this episode. We're calling this Gambling 101. This is for all you newbies out there trying to help you gain some comfort and uh, some approachability to this new sports gambling world that we're all getting to take part in. Will there be a Gambling 201 podcast in the future? There very well could be. I, uh, you know, I think that, that it won't necessarily be framed as Gambling 201, as much as just deeper dives into these subcategories that we're about to break down. Uh, the D2. Yeah, the D2. It's the D2. D2. Di- yeah, the, for the record, deep dives and... You fill in the blank however you want. I think we, we, we've discussed the notion of B2 being bad beats, being best bets, and you're probably going to get a lot of all of this with us. Oh, we're definitely going to lay out some bad beats and some best bets for you. We're going to play some best balls and, uh, <laughs> and explain that format down the road to yeah. you. Uh, we're going to play with big balls because that's the way we bet, is we bet with big old balls. It's not a golf concept, although I would be entertained by the notion of golfers playing with balls that are like the size of croquet balls. I would be so fucking entertained by that. I would watch this. Yes. that See, that's just an evolution of golf that I think is overdue. How far do you think Bryson can drive a ball if it was the size of a croquet ball? Holy shit. Can he hit that 300 yards? I don't know. I don't know about the aerodynamics of the different sized golf balls. I also do. don't know the aerodynamics of Bryson DeChambeau's balls. I uh, I have a feeling that they are not super aerodynamic, uh, but that's just more of a broad uh, observation on testicles as a whole, really. Like, they're not the most aerodynamic shape. They kind of dangle. They're kind of like... As opposed to testicles in the hole, which is a different conversation altogether. Very different And you might be on the wrong podcast if that's what you're looking for. But tune in anyway. Yeah, please stay tuned if you're looking for balls and holes. It's time to put balls in holes. He said whatever I want. I get it. You love skee-ball. Apparently more than you love vagina. We will discuss balls landing in holes in different future episodes, but this is not the episode for that today. They're all going to involve Brett Favre. Basically, yeah. It's a lot of Brett Favre talk, a lot of golf talk, but that's just future teasers right there. Speaking of teasers... I'm going to tease this a little bit more to offer the fact that we're never going to talk about Brett Favre or golf again. Yeah, that's actually probably true. Well, we might is, cover golf again. We could And we might golf. make fun of Brett Favre a lot in the future. But neither will be serious topics of we, this podcast. We are more likely to cover Brett Favre golfing than we are Brett Favre in general. That tracks. Uh, uh, <laughs> listen here. That tracks so well that I think that you've made the final point that we really need to make on the topic of Brett Favre and his balls. That's it. Cut it. End of the episode. End of episode. There. We got it. Bag it. Thanks Tag for it. listening. Thanks for listening. This has been D2B2 Sports. <laughs> But let's dive right in, man. Let's. Uh, where do you want to start? What do you think is most important to start with in terms of game terminology? I think we just form a nice foundation. I think you go simple is better, and you start with the beginning, right? I, I think that, ultimately speaking, when it comes down to it, there are a number of different ways. There's actually a borderline infinite different ways that you can bet on sports. But the most common is either betting on a spread or betting on the money line, which is just a team to win straight up, right? So 
if you're going to bet on a spread, we'll, we'll use football as an example because it's clearly going to be the most heavily gambled on sports for the foreseeable future, at least in America, right? And a spread is just a number of points that Vegas or bookmakers or casinos forecast a team to win or lose by, right? So, for example, here's a perfect example. In the upcoming wild card game, the first wild card game of the week, the Cincinnati Bengals are favored, which means they are expected to win, and they are favored by five and a half points over the Las Vegas Raiders. So if you were going to bet on the Cincinnati Bengals, minus, minus being the key word here, minus five and a half points, that would mean for you to win this bet, the Bengals would have to win by at least five and a half points. Conversely speaking, if you were to bet on the Las Vegas Raiders, you would be getting five and a half points, which means they could still lose the game, but if they were to lose by less than five and a half points, you would still win that bet or that wager. Bingo, bango, sir. That is a just killer explanation. That is simple, succinct, paints a vivid picture, and explains the bet very well. A lot of times people get it backwards, as I was referring to earlier, but I think the easiest way to, to make a mental note of it, if you will, not a post-it note, but maybe one in your world, is if you were to take the final score, and if you do exactly what the spread tells you to the final score, that will calculate whether or not you win or lose your wager, right? So, for example, we mentioned how a lot of people misconstrue minus 5.5 as being that the team can lose by 5.5, right? But if you were to take the final score, let's say the Bengals win 27-22, very obscure NFL score, but in that scenario the Bengals would actually lose that bet because if you were to subtract the 5.5 from the Bengals' 27, they'd be left with 21.5, which would be less than the 22 that the Raiders had. That's the way that I try to explain it to people that are, are new to the gambling world, if you yeah, will. So take the math from the total score at the end of the game. Exactly. Dig that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's the easiest way of looking at it. That is a very simple way of looking at it. And... As you're, as you're uh, getting into gambling and looking at all these different games, you're going to see that this is a universal layout in terms of betting any game. You're going to see a team favored by something and a team that is the underdog in the matchup. Getting the points. Getting yeah. the points. Yep. Yep. I uh, very, very seldom will you see a line roll out as Pick'em, a.k.a. Moneyline, a.k.a. there is no favorite. Pick who you think will win the game. Two very evenly matched teams would be a pick Right, yes. that that would mean that the uh, the bookmakers uh, do not see an advantage to any team. Right, very Indeed. evenly matched. And often, when you see a pick 'em roll out, by the time you get closer to the game, it won't be a pick 'em anymore. Is very that fair to say. That's beyond fair to say, and that actually brings up another good point. And uh, this is a term that you'll hear a lot in the gambling world, and that term is is steam. So the term steam refers to a side that is getting a lot of action, right? So Vegas lines are not stagnant. They move as the week goes on or as the hour goes on, right? So the idea that Vegas wants to maintain is that they ideally want to get even action on both sides, right? You pay a little bit of juice. Juice is yet another term that we should maybe dive into. But juice is 
what you lay that goes to the book, whether you win or lose. So let's say you bet $100 on the Bengals minus 5.5, right? In order to win your $100, you actually have to risk 110. That 10% is the juice, right? So books ideally want to maintain an even amount of bets on both sides so they can capitalize on the juice on that 10% of wagers that they take, right? So this is why lines move as the week goes on in the NFL world or as the hour goes on in the NBA world. It's because as books get an uneven amount of money on one side, they will move the line to try to attract more money on the other side. Indeed. So it's one of those things that like, you will continue to use this Bengals Raiders example here. Uh, if that rolled out the other day, as we found out the playoff picture officially, at Bengals minus five and a half, but people started hammering the Raiders side of that, that line would adjust. I assume that line would adjust in the uh, in the way that would favor betting the Bengals because it would slide down more. You'd get the Bengals would be favored by fewer points, correct? The people were hammering the Raiders? Correct, yes. If, yeah, so. if, 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 if the books were getting an uneven amount of action on one side, they would move the line in favor of the other side in an attempt to attract more action, right? Now, football is a curious sport. You don't see this in basketball as much as you do in football, but football has key numbers, right? Because there are certain numbers that football games tend to land on based on the way that the scoring works, right? So, for example, we're just going to keep going with this Bengals Raiders example because it just makes a world of sense. Let's say that the books are getting crushed with Bengals action, right? Everybody's betting the Bengals minus five, minus five and a half. Everyone thinks the Bengals are going to come out and just smoke the Raiders. The books might not be inclined to move that line too much because they don't want it to cross six or seven which are key numbers in the NFL world because a lot of games end on either a three-point spread, six-point spread, seven-point spread. So you would have to get a ton, and I mean like a ton, of Bengals action before you actually got to the Raiders plus seven or plus seven and a half. Makes a ton of sense. As you said, those numbers are much more specific as scoring comes in forms of three points, six points, seven points, eight points at a time. Versus in basketball, where it can be two points, three points, one point at a time, and is much more frequent. Or even in baseball, where scoring can come anywhere from one to four runs at a time. But you can land on any number up and down the spectrum. Baseball is its own entity, and we'll get to that. That's yeah. a different conversation. But it's uh, that is an interesting point with football in particular. That's why you still hear about uh, scoregami in football when you've reached a unique ending score that has never been done before. We're actually seeing more of that in the current NFL in the past couple of years because more teams are going for two than historically were before. Uh, a so couple... ending scores are looking different than they once used to. More teams are going for two uh, based on analytic-based reasons and also because after they moved the line back in terms of extra points, that extra points are just missed more frequently than they used to be. Um, funny you bring that up. There was actually a scoregami in the Dallas Eagles game uh, uh, just this previous Saturday night. That was the first time a score had ever ended at 56-21 or whatever nonsense that game was. But <laughs> Yeah, the Eagles are bad. That's going to that's gonna be fun to watch them get smoked in the playoffs. Quick trivia question for you, and I want to see what your answer is because I already know the answer. While we're talking about scoregami, right? 
Scorigami, again, is a, a football score. It's a concept for a football score that has never happened before in the history of the NFL, right? So I want to pose you a Scorigami question where the lowest scoring team scores three points. What is the final score in terms of scores that have never happened in NFL history before? So it's blank to three. Uh, I'm going to say like 19 to three. 19 to three. That's a popular answer amongst people that I've polled. Five to three was actually a very popular answer, which makes sense because, I mean, yeah, you require a field goal and a safety. Right. And, and, and that's the end of the game. Right. Right. That would be such Neither a Neither one of those are correct. Interesting. What's the, what's the correct answer? 55 to 3. <laughs> that's the first one you get? That is the lowest total for the other team that has wow. never happened before. Wow. Every single higher scoring team has made it until you get to 55 3. Wait, how did someone get four? Apparently, there's been two safeties. You probably got to go back to like the frozen tundra <laughs> in 1968, where I, it, it's it's amazing. Two safeties to one field goal it's, was it's the final score. It's unbelievable that that's happened, but 55 to three has never happened. Wow, that is a fascinating score. Got me a little tidbit there. I like that. So we've explained what the plus and minus mean in front of opening lines or lines for games across the board. Another term that is uh, related to these and that you'll see next to the uh, minus or plus, depending which team you're bidding on, is a money line bet and the payout you would receive for betting money line Precisely. on a team. Yeah, money line bets. Here's the easiest way that I can explain a money line bet, right? A money line bet is a ratio. So everything is based off of a $100 base bet so you can either see a plus or minus money line that is going to relate to the risk factor and we're going to use 100 as a base number because it just makes so much sense when you see a negative money line a minus 300 for example that is a team that is heavily favored right so a team continuing the same example here the Bengals. precisely yeah a team that is favored to win is going to have a negative money line ratio, which means you have to risk more money than you're going to return if you're correct, which makes sense because it's a team that is supposed to win. It's pretty straightforward, right? Easy peasy. The antithesis would be a team that is an underdog or a team that is not expected to win would return a positive ratio. You mean such as the Las Vegas Raiders? That would be a plus number, right? So to stick with the $100, and these numbers that we're going to throw out are not actual in terms of the Raiders example that we love, but they'll make it simple math, right? If the Bengals were minus 300 on the money line, that would mean that you would have to risk $300 to win $100. And again, that's simply a ratio. There's no minimum or maximum bet amount. If yeah, you were your to boy risk, Big Derek over here bets a dollar or two at a time on a lot of things. I love my little $2 bets. If you were to risk $30, you would win 10 if you were to risk 3000 you would win 1000 So it's a very simple ratio, right? On the positive side, if you were to risk, we'll call it plus 180 on the Raiders, which I think is accurate as of this morning. If you were to risk $100, you would re return 180 So you would actually maximize a return of 180 So you would get your 100 back, and then you would capitalize a 180 return. Which I really dig. Um, I love me some good money line bets. Obviously, I tend to do it with underdogs who I think I, I... Whenever I look at a team and I'm just like, 
I think the Raiders are just going to outright win this game. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to dabble with them at plus four, plus five and a half, whatever have you, because I just think they're outright going to win the sucker. That's when you bet the money line. I think when you see a positional mismatch like we could have in this Raiders game where the Raiders defensive line is supremely better than the uh, Bengals offensive line, this is a time where you might jump that gun, right? Like you might say, hey, listen, I can bet 110 bucks, like we said, with the juice, and I can get 100 back if the Raiders lose by less than five and a half or win. Or I can say, yo, I, I think Vegas wins this game. I'm going to throw 100 bucks and I'm going to get 180 back. So the return is, is, is certainly worth it if you have a lot of conviction in your thought. I, I do. I've, uh, I've always enjoyed sprinkling money lines out there uh, just because of the heftier return. Um, and then there's also, on a lot of these apps you'll find, you can drag lines. So say we'll continue using the same example of the Bengals minus five and a half. If you feel supremely confident the Bengals are going to blow out the Raiders, just going to blow the doors off and win by over a touchdown, you can drag that line to minus seven, minus eight. You can drag it further so that the Bengals have to win by a larger number for you to pay out, but you can drag it to a point where you're not just uh, betting 110 to win 100, as he explained in the instance of just taking the line at face value, but instead... Maybe betting 100 to win 125, win 135, depending how far you drag the sucker. That little, that little minus 110 that you'll commonly see below these lines where they sit can become a plus 110, plus 120, plus 125, depending how far you drag. And that's not always to say that that's a thing you could, should commonly do because Vegas is really fucking good at placing their lines. Let's be very clear about that, people. Vegas is really good at this. There's However, a, it is a fun little thing that you can do. I think two different things. To speak to your point, there's a reason that city exists, and the city exists only because they are so good at doing what they do. And the average Joe, i.e. you, me, and uh, hopefully not everybody listening, but probably some of you, are also not good at uh, evaluating the sports lines. However, this is kind of part of the exciting evolution of sports betting is that opportunity that you just referenced, the ability to move lines and alter your risk return reward what was completely foreign to me five years ago, right? When I'm just betting with my local guy, my little dude that I meet in a parking lot of a, a Chinese restaurant that went out of business to <laughs> hand him an envelope with God knows how much money or hopefully get an envelope with God knows how much money. That opportunity wasn't there, right? Like, I couldn't call my old school bookie and tell him that my password was Sharky94 and, like, tell him that I want to bet the Bengals, but I actually want to move the spread to three and a half. Like, he would tell me to take a hike and would block my phone number. Like, that's not a thing that existed until we've seen this evolution of sports betting and the legalization in so many states that's just going to keep happening. Like, the fact that New York finally legalize sports betting right. that is the catalyst that's the one that's going to finally see hopefully every other sport come yeah, in we're there. seeing florida's working on it and there's legislation that's going to be put in, to a vote in florida in a handful of months and this this is going to be a thing that is going to take a couple more years as states witness other states benefiting from it but the the tax benefits the states who have already budged and legalized the gambling are receiving are huge. So I think eventually we're going to see this be a nationwide legalized thing. It's real. It, it's a real thing. I mean, yeah. it, 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 it's amazing that this actually 
has fallen behind in the progression that legalizing marijuana has, but it has, and it just is what it is. But this is definitely going to, the steam is not going to stop. It's going to keep happening. It's amazing to me that Florida has not legalized sports betting strictly because from my time living in Florida, pretty much everybody that I met in Florida was from New York or New Jersey where sports betting is legal. So, <laughs> I mean, I, how do you not legalize it in Florida when everyone that lives there is from a different state where it is legal? It's going to happen, right? Oh, it's, it's inevitably bound to happen. I and, think there's no way around this. I mean, quite frankly, like what can't you do in Florida, right? Like, like, you can go to your mailbox and get chased by an alligator. You can give COVID to everybody in the world. Like, nobody cares about that, but you can't bet on sports? I mean, let's, let's get back to reality hey, here, right? You've got to draw the line somewhere, pal. Ooh, you're right. Alligators can't bet on sports. <laughs> Crocodiles can. Those are inland. Inland creatures in Florida. Yeah, though, I mean, I would think that gators would be decent at betting on sports overall. Do you think that there is a... This could be the holdup in, uh, in, in the state of Florida. Do you think that there's a concern over athletes at the University of Florida betting on sports who are also Gators? <laughs> See, that's actually the Gators I was referring to that I would bet would be decent at betting on sports. That makes sense. As Look, I just think the SEC is so corrupt across the board that I assume most players in the SEC are probably pretty good at corrupt activities. Let me pose you a very important question while we're on the note. If you were, I mentioned the fact that if you live in Florida, you might go to get your mail and get chased down the road by a, a gator, right? If that's the case, would you rather be chased down the road by an actual alligator or by Tim Tebow throwing a Bible at you? Also I'll, a gator. I'll Which one is Tim, scarier? I'll take, uh, I would rather be chased by Tim Tebow throwing a Bible at me just because A... He might, I might be able to form a friendship with Tebow, a very unlikely friendship in which he's the best wingman ever because, like, he's now taken. So if I can go out to the bar with Tim Tebow and he can drink his orange juice or he's, milk or whatever he drinks at the he's bar. He's taken by Jesus. Yeah, he's taken by Jesus. And women are approaching him and he's all like, oh, no, I don't do the sex with women stuff. I, I, that's not my bad. I don't do the sex with the women types. Yeah. I can just be sitting there like, I do do that. and I like, do all of the sex with all the women types. Yeah, exactly. And, I, you know, I'll get a lot of rejections from people that were like, yeah, well, I wanted to fuck T-Bob. Right. I was not trying to downgrade to you. But there's going to be someone desperate enough that's like, yeah, well, I couldn't bag Tebow. All right, I'll give you a shot. I was going to bag Tebow, but then I tried to buy him a shot and he ordered a glass of whole milk. At the bar. Not even, like, skim milk or 1%. Oh, you know he's drinking whole milk. All You're day. damn right about that. All day. The, Spend it for your bones, dog. The wholesomest of all the milks. I only drink the finest breast milks. Breast milk. You made my day. So wholesome. If you were at the bar with Tim Tebow, would you let him order a milk? Or would you, like, cut him off and be like, yo, just get this guy, like, a, a, a tonic water and lime so it at least looks like he's drinking? I think I would try to educate him that he should rock, like, a tonic water with lime so yeah. that he looks like he's drinking. But I think he would shoot that down. Or he would let me order that and then would, like, wait until I wasn't around and would order his glass of milk stuff. Well, there's not a lot of calcium in tonic. I think there's that's not. the issue, right? Yeah. No, also, I... real quick, Tim Tebow cannot hit a curveball. Let the record show. I think tonic Hannah. water helps you hit a curveball. I I believe that it at least wouldn't hurt, whereas drinking nothing but whole milk definitely hurts the odds. It does the body good. 
It does the body good, but does That's not do your vision play. for a curveball very good. Ooh. Well, let's keep rolling along here. You had two more little subsection notes under our plus-minus money line discussion that you wanted to hit, and that is the phrases run line and puck line. Ooh. I, I saw that you wrote down the word putt line, and uh, oh. I was curious if you I thought... I thought you meant putt line. I didn't know if you thought that I was, like, super into gambling on high-stakes putt-putt, uh, mini-golf, which Dude. I would assume is... Probably something you can only bet on in Vietnam, but it could be American soon as legalization continues to move forward. But uh, run line and puck line, very simply put, these are the equivalent of spreads, like we mentioned, uh, in baseball and hockey. And almost always, this just changed for the first time, at least in my life, last year. The run line and puck line is pretty much always one and a half, right? Most baseball games and hockey lines are, you know, not high-scoring affairs. You don't get seven points for anything in baseball or hockey like you do in football. So almost always the run line in baseball was one and a half, which is the equivalent of a spread. And the puck line in hockey was one and a half as well, basically because so many hockey games go to overtime, right? So simply put, the run line and puck line is the equivalent of betting the spread in something like football or basketball, but the juice adjusts accordingly, right? So, for example, if you have, let's say you're looking at a baseball game where you've got, uh, let, let's, let's call it Jacob deGrom is pitching for the Mets, right? Best pitcher in baseball by a mile. And he's pitching against the Marlins who have Sixto Sanchez pitching, right? Who's decent, but he's certainly not Jacob deGrom. The run line would be one and a half, but you would have to actually lay more money on that one and a half line because the notion is that the Mets should crush the Marlins and the Marlins are going to have a very hard time scoring, right? So you're not going to see a, a baseball line of minus five or minus seven or minus 13 like you do in baseball. You just run with the standard one and a half and then the juice adjusts accordingly, right? So... While the Mets money line, like we talked before, would be a very, very heavy, heavy price to pay, you might have to risk 300 to win 100 on the money line. But if you lay the one and a half on the run line, you might get closer to even money. Something nice. equivalent in the NHL where you usually see either if you have a big mismatch in terms of team quality or back-to-back -back days that... NHL teams are playing where they got to play their backup goalie on day two of the back-to-back. -back. Things like that are what come into play, right? Did that, that make sense? sense? No, that made a world of sense. So so it's really just a statement of within those sports. It's a fixed line. It's, yeah. Best way of putting it. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Now, recently, and I mean recently, I mean this year, I have seen two and a half in some baseball games and some hockey lines, which is really foreign to me. I have not quite figured out how to adjust to a two and a half run line or hockey line because there's just so much variance in terms of baseball games. Like the idea of betting on a team to win by three runs is out of this world to me. I don't have it in me. Maybe it's my old school mentality. Maybe it's the fact that I'm just old. <laughs> hey, we're not young people here. We are not. We were. We were. We it was sweet. Once upon a time, it was we're. super sweet. It was pretty cool. I liked it. But the idea of betting on a team to win by three runs in baseball is is it, it's a hard thing for me to wrap my head around, right? Because the worst teams in baseball still win sixty games a year. 
It's not like the NFL, where the worst team wins once or twice. Like the worst baseball team in, in, in the MLB wins 60 times a year, right? Like a horrible team wins 37% of their games. That is a phenomenal comparison, my friend. And uh, on that note, I think we've spent a pretty good amount of time covering the spreads of games, being plus, minus, money line, and diving into the run line and puck line as we just finished off. Let's take a look at another angle of betting on individual games, which is the over or under. And this over under is based on total cumulative points scored by both teams in a contest. And it's pretty simple to understand. Say, I, don't, I actually don't know what the over-under mark is for this Bengals-Raiders game. But I I'm believe gonna, it's 46. I was about to say, I'm going to guess 47 and a half. Ooh. That's going to be my guess. Nick's pulling it up here real quick. But So, regard, whichever number it is there, you're basically betting either A, the cumulative total of points will go over a number, or B, that the cumulative total of points will land under a number. This one needs a little less explanation than the uh, plus sign, minus sign, and all the things we just deep dove into. But there are certainly caveats that you want to be aware of when you're deciding to place an over-under bet. You want to have a situational awareness in football, for example, if there's playing in an indoor stadium or if you're playing in an outdoor shitty weather game. Uh, you want to have the awareness of are both starting quarterbacks at their healthiest? Are these offenses going to click to their normal capacity or are they going to be dealing with a backup or dealing with some type of injury that may create a downturn in average points? Anything injury-related is is obviously going to be important. Weather is also certainly a factor. I think that people overestimate the importance of weather in one direction. I think that there's a, a misconception that cold weather leads to less points, which is simply not true. Like, I don't have the math in front of me to substantiate this, but I can tell you right now that the notion of playing in cold weather does not lead to less points. I think that the biggest concern, which is really not spoken about enough, is not temperature, but it's wind. Wind is a problem, right? Cold weather, I mean... There was a, a Bears-Seahawks game in week 15 of this year that was in horrible, horribly cold weather, snow all over the place, and they ended up playing to a, a 29-22 final. I mean, it, there, were, there were points all over the place. Teams were not slowed down, but it's because there was no wind, right? Wind affects the passing game. Cold weather doesn't. And the kicking game. Yep. Well said. Exactly. And games in which... Teams feel they cannot rely on their kicker. It's not just the chance of less field goals, which means less points, which is obvious. It's the meaning that teams have to go further on drives in order to achieve any scoring with the addition of it being harder on your passing game. It just leads you're dealing with a lot more punting in a very windy game because of the combination of deeper passes being somewhat taken off the board by the wind and not being able to rely on a 45 to 50 yard field goal opportunity that you would most of the time take otherwise. Certainly. Yeah. Or if not punting, you're going to look at teams that are going to go for it on fourth down more often than they normally would 
because the idea of making a 50, 40, 37 yard field goal is off the board, right? I mean, if you get 35 mile an hour swirling winds in Cleveland, you're not going to kick a 40 yard field goal. You're going to go for it and just see what happens, right? Big time. So naturally, if the percentage of getting a first down on fourth down is whatever it is, there's some deviation that leads to the percentage of getting multiple fourth down conversions over and over and over and over again and getting lower and lower and lower, which results in less points. Bingo, bango. And this also speaks to one of my favorite things that has changed in the past few years in the NFL, which is how much more frequently the analytics dictate going board on fourth down. This was not a thing a few years ago that in the NFL is so commonplace now. Take the points. Teams are going for it on fourth and five. Teams are going for it in these fourth and marginal situations as long as they at least have okay field position to back it up. And I love that. It is so much more fun to watch. There's so many less punts in the NFL now than there once were because teams just go for it. And that's I also awesome. I also love that. It makes it makes watching football much less methodical. It makes the predictability of what's going to happen much less natural. I and you even see teams that are that are off the Richter in terms of going for it on fourth down. I mean, we saw the Chargers go for it on fourth and one from their own 15 last Oh, that week. was crazy. That, I couldn't that, believe that. But we both agreed that was stupid in the that, moment also. That put a nail in my my coffin of hopes. Yeah. I was very disturbed by this. But it's funny, you actually had a chance towards the end of that game. There. There was, you were actually back alive again after Herbert led them to six fourth down conversions in their final drive I think to was, get that last touchdown and take them to overtime. I think by the time it was all said and done, it was it was eight fourth down conversions in a row. Yeah. Which is preposterous. It, it was insane. I, I was so floored watching that last drive. And I've been on Team Herbert for a while in terms of thinking that kid's the truth and that kid's going to be a really good quarterback for a long time to come. But that game really solidified that camp for me personally. Do you feel like he is held back by his coach? Do you think his, his, his coach is too much of a gunslinger and he's a little bit too out there? Or do you think that in time that will benefit him? Um, if he's held back by his coach, it's a lot more, it's in a very marginal way. It's in a very subtle way. He They might be gunslinging a little bit too much, but I think that that's more of a statement of the construct of that current roster. You've just got a bunch of these deep threat weapons and the run game, while there's talented backs in play overall, isn't something that I think you can really rely on in, a, in as much of a way. So I, th- I think their balance of capability on the offensive side skews towards gunslinging a bit, so they do it. I think with some slight roster tinkering, you could see an offense that's a little bit more balanced and gives Herbert a little more chance for those plays to catch people off guard because right now teams expect him to lob it down the field. Teams expect that to happen, so... Defense to skew that direction. Whereas a couple years from now, I think you might see a few less pass attempts per game out of Herbert. If they have but, any semblance of run defense, which they don't have right now. Right. Yeah. The, the Chargers actually called a timeout to get a better run defense on the field in overtime. And then after calling a timeout, when they could have just let the clock run and gotten a tie that would have put them into playoffs, they chose to call a timeout because they didn't like their run defense. And after the timeout, they let Josh Jacobs break off a 11-yard run after adjusting their defense to prevent that. 
I do think it's funny that you say that because I do think the Raiders were totally content to take the tie and take the playoff spot. They were letting they were letting they were the letting clock the run. run yeah. And the Chargers were like, nope, timeout. Peace. Yeah, we do not want to make the playoffs. We yeah. would much rather let Oakland seal this thing with a win than send us to the playoffs on a tie. And that's amazing for two reasons. Because A, that weird decision not only took the Chargers out of the playoffs, but it drastically improved the Raiders' playoff scenario because now they go to Cincy to play the Bengals instead, instead of, of going to Kansas City to play the Chiefs in round one, which they would have done. Yep. Hilarious. But that's enough about current real NFL things that happened. This is an instructional session. This is Gambling 101. Here with Coach Sager and Professor Dees. Oh, like that? The professor. The professor. The professor. Professor. Not to be confused with white chocolate from the N1 series. I would very much like to be confused for white chocolate, so but I think I, the second yeah. people see me jump once, they're like, oh yeah, that's not white chocolate. That's a valid point, yeah. Real talk, yeah. answer the question right now. Better basketball player, the professor or Jason Williams? <sighs> Jason Williams. God, Jason Williams was sweet. Dude, Jason Williams was sweet. So sweet. So sweet. But let's keep this thing moving and grooving. That is, uh, do you have any uh, other additional thoughts on the over-under un- over aspect of gambling? I think we covered this. I think we know. I think we covered this in, in, in full. Um, actually, nope, I retract that. There retract. are times when I like to bet an over-under in the first half or second half, right? And I think that the way that the first half of any type of sport, well, basketball and football, I should say, but impacts the way the second half progresses can lead to a, a, a profitable opportunity, right? There are a lot of times when you might see a basketball team that's up by 25, 30 points at halftime. And in that scenario, you're not going to see a lot of high-powered offense in the second half. Teams get complacent. Teams just kind of play to, to end the game, right? And the same thing applies in football, you know? If, if a football team is up 30 nothing at halftime, like the Chiefs were against the Steelers in a playoff rematch a couple weeks ago you're not going to see the Chiefs really pour it on from an offensive perspective right they're going to alter their game plan and they're not going to play full Pat Mahomes style right they're going to dial it back they're going to run the ball more so you can take advantage of second half lines based on the outcome of the first half of sports and that is actually an interesting broader note to approach here is that in any of these bets the over-unders the plus-minus it doesn't. There is full length, full game bets to place, but you can also bet the first halves. You can bet second halves. You can bet individual stretches of time. Uh, you can often bet quarters in the NBA. Even uh, you can bet stretches of the game, and you can do it in the reactionary form that Nick is talking about, where you kind of watch the first half unfold and react accordingly with your second half bet, or you could be looking at a game and be like, "Wow, you know, I think." The Cowboys are really good, just going to come out and punch blank in the jaw in the first half and go up big in the first half. I think blank. so. I'm going to bet the Cowboys. And for the record, when you say the Cowboys punch blank in the nose, you mean the Giants is pretty much what you mean. Yeah, mostly the Giants. They yeah. punch the Giants in the nose. A mostly lot. the Giants. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, when the when I see a Cowboys Giants game in Week Ugh. 13, and I see that the Cowboys are favored by by a minus eight and a half in the first half. I'm going to hammer that because I'm like, sweet. Let me, let me dive in there and let me dive in on the Cowboys 
starting the game strong, and then maybe things cool out in the second half because they're just in a commanding lead. But I, I, uh, both sides of that coin are fun to play at times, depending the matchup you're betting on. This is the most embarrassing thing I've heard all day. But that's fine. Hey, it's... Nick and I have tough, tough lives as football fans. Uh, he's a giant. He's a New York sports fan. Giants, Knickerbockers, Rangers, Rangers, and Yankerbockers, aka the Yankees. I like to throw Bocker at the end of all of his sports team names, just as a note to all of you as as potential listeners of ours. I can dig it as well. We like to Bach. We like to Bach. We Bach. Uh, and uh, I'm a Detroit sports fan, so somehow even worse right now. Jesus. Yeah, really tough life for Detroit sports fandom. It has really been tough life for for uh, for both of us in general, I guess. Although yeah. I, I do want to talk about my <laughs> excessive excitement about the fact that three things have happened this week in the sports world that have all tickled my fancy. And if there's one thing I like to get tickled, it's your fancy. No, I don't want to talk about what that one thing is. But the second thing is my fancy. <laughs> and um, the fact that in a matter of three days, I saw the Knicks trade for Cam Reddish. Good trade. Uh, the Giants fired Joe Judge. Good firing. And the Giants allowing Dave Gettleman to retire, which, <laughs> I mean, let's uh, that's listen. A, that's a very G-Men thing that right. happens. But You'll, I think that's okay. Like I, I, eh, I, I can applaud the notion of being like, listen, you've had a nice NFL career, you've done a lot of good things. Like, we're not going to can you, but like, here's the deal, right? Yeah. Like, like just be a man and walk away, <laughs> so we don't fire you. Yeah. Like, I think that's a noble thing to do. I think it's fine. I, I have no problem with it. Uh, yeah. The, the mutual resignation is a humorous thing in sports, yeah. though. But let's move right along, you know? We're uh, only a couple topics deep, and we got a lot to go, so I don't want to linger too long. I do. I love a linger. Yeah. And I love a good fancy tickle. So, you know, by all means, these were things that I'm into that Nick was I thought you were going to say finger. I thought you were going to do a rhyming thing. I thought mm. you were going to go linger and finger. Mm. Well, I was taking a higher road here on that one. No. All right, we're staying on the mid-road. What's the next topic you want to dive into in Gambling 101? Let's go down to, like, something that's going to be very popular with... Uh, in the betting community, which is, is parlays and teasers. Let, let's uh, let's rope into this a little bit, Deez. Love it. I love making parlays. Parlays are fun. I love parlaying. I do too. Man. I do it too much. I think that mathematically it's not a positive outcome in the gambling world. But damn it, it's a good time. It's a right? good time. It's like buying scratch-off tickets at a yes. gas station. Fantastic analogy. Yeah. You don't expect to win money when you buy a scratch-off no. ticket. But you're throwing a couple bucks away. You're having a good time and whatever, yeah, it's right? Like, it's like playing Keno at the bar. Yeah. And the return is high enough that it makes it exciting, right? Big time. So parlays are the notion of betting more than one sporting event and getting an incrementally higher return based on the notion that you get them all correct, right? Should you lose one, the whole thing is null and void. You lose the whole thing, right? So it's very high reward and low risk, which is kind of what makes it fun, right? So, for example, should you choose a two-team parlay? We'll stick with the NFL. Let's say you uh, – we love the Raiders. Let's keep the Raiders thing keep going. Raiders baby. Keep going. the Raiders thing going. If you take the Raiders plus five and a half and they lose by three, like we said, you are plus five and a half equates to a win because when you add the five and a half, they would only lose by two and a half. And then you add, let's say, the Patriots plus four – and they lose by two, which would equate to a win because four would take them over the two-point loss. You would get a 
2.6 return on a two-team parlay. So a $100 risk would net you 260 A three-team parlay, let's say you add in the Chiefs minus 12 against the Steelers, who are going to absolutely murder the Steelers. Agreed. That would actually get you a 6-to-1 return. So 6-to-1 on a three-team parlay. If you added a fourth, you get up to 10-to-1. So maybe uh, you like the uh, 49ers plus 4.5 against Dallas, which is possibly my favorite bet of the week. Four teams would get you a 10-to-1 return. So if you risk $100 and you hit four out of four, you would actually net $1,000 on a four-team wager with minimal risk, right? And I know that I'm using 100 as a staple number because I think it's an easy number that we can all relate to, but you can just take the zero off it and call it 10 if you're a, a low-stakes guy and a have-fun-talk-some-shit-at-the-bar kind of guy, maybe a $10 four-team parlay wins you 100 bucks, which is still a, a tremendous return. A hell of a sweet return. Your boy gets excited when he returns 10 to 1 on his money. I'm already excited. We're excitable folk around here. There's an excitable group here at D2B2. But that is a, that is a pretty well-succinct explanation of parlays. And certainly with parlays... You can, of course, get bonkers crazy, put together nine, ten plus items on a single parlay and wind up with an insane return if you somehow miraculously hit it all. But do understand, the more items you add onto the parlay, the more insanely unlikely it is that you're actually going to hit all of them. Because sports are very random. No matter how much you may like X, Y, and Z to all happen, you have a decent chance of hitting X, Y, and Z you have a much lesser chance of hitting M through Z. I mean, that's simple math, right? Yeah. And that's why the, the payouts increase the more and more and more and more and more options you put into one, right? There was a guy early in the NFL season that was getting, uh, his bet was getting televised on a lot of different broadcasts because he I had know made, where you're going with this. He had made a 16-leg parlay that was betting on every game in the NFL that weekend. And he had... All of them correct, except for... The Monday night game. The Monday night game. And what's amazing about this, I remember this vividly, is that this was... He even got the Lions winning that week. Which, like, or they, he had the Lions covering that week, which was an unexpected cover. Well, that's how you know he's either a baller or just a reckless maniac. Oh, one can be both. Yes. Uh, the amazing thing about this story is that that was actually a, a free bet offered through BetMGM based on loyalty, right? Like BetMGM will offer you free bets on a weekly basis determined by how much you wager on the previous week. So because it was a free bet, he could not cash out earlier. (laughs) Brutal. And uh, explain what that means for people. As we're doing some gambling instructional here, explain what that means cashing out earlier. Sure. So sometimes, you know, let's say you have three out of four legs of a parlay correct and the, the next step has not kicked off yet or it hasn't tipped off yet based on what sport it is. Um, A lot of times books will offer you the option of taking a payout lesser than what your ultimate win number is should you forego the last leg of the parlay. It's it's almost like a like a deal or no deal segment of a sports betting, right? Like do you want X amount of dollars, or do you want to open the briefcase and see what it is, right? Do you want this much money, or do you want to see if the Colts win? And if they do, then you get a whole lot more money. Right. But if they don't, you get 
nothing. And that was the case with the individual we were speaking of, and it was actually a Colts game on Monday night uh, where they ended up losing to the Ravens in fantastic fashion in overtime that ended up costing uh, this this poor guy. Like, it, it was over a million dollars. It was. It was a huge yeah. gob of money. But, yeah, that's a, it just goes to show how close you can come and then have the whole rug pulled out from under you with one big play in one game. But also how fun it is. Oh, I mean, that's the tremendous idea. Tremendous fun. Right? Like, and that's like, the idea. We are not doing this from a, a money-making standpoint. We're doing this from an entertainment standpoint, yeah. right? We like, hope to make some dollars along the way. We hope to have some big, fat winnings. We but love it's sports. for the entertainment. We love sports more than anything in the world. And it's even more fun when you got a little bit of something on the line. Yeah. Right? Nothing crazy. Again, yeah. We're not here trying to mortgage our futures away. We're here. We're not here pissing away a bunch of money that we can't afford to do so. This Hopefully. is fun money. Hopefully, yes. And if you are, you know, we'll say this. There's those gambling addict hotlines out there. If you feel like you've got a problem, please do yourself a favor and clean your life up because no one should be wrecking their entire future I'll give you a couple on phone numbers. what if the Detroit Lions cover blank this weekend. Oh, God, I hope you're not wrecking your future on the Detroit Lions. <laughs> yeah, no one should be putting anything on the future of the Detroit Lions. Although, for the record... Even the Ford family has the Lions. The Lions covered 11 out of 17 games this year. Fascinating. I love that stat. Good teams win, great teams cover, baby. I've got a shirt that says that. I know you do. Loins. That's not here. true. I have two shirts that say that. <laughs> nice. But let's get back to the the matter at hand. Uh, what separates a parlay from a teaser? Minimal. Minimal difference. A teaser is a parlay where you are getting less return, but you have essentially bought points on every leg of the parlay, right? So your most common teasers are NFL bets, right? You can do it in basketball, but there, there's so much variance in basketball that I, I would never dabble in it myself, nor would I advise the notion of doing so but you can do uh a very common teaser in the nfl is a six or six and a half point teaser where you are basically buying six points on every leg of the parlay that you choose now there are clearly reduced odds and a reduced return because you are buying so many points in exchange for a lesser payout however what you can do is you can cross over what most people refer to as as key numbers in the NFL, right? We touched on this earlier, but numbers like three, six, seven, those are key numbers in the NFL, right? Because the way that scoring works, so many games are decided by that many points. This makes a world of sense, right? Um, I actually, myself, I do, I do a lot of teasers. I usually do one to two to three to four teasers a week when I see enough advantageous opportunities, but... Let's say I do a three-team teaser, right? A three-team teaser where I'm buying six points on either side. What I can do is I can take something like, we'll keep this going, right? I can take the Raiders at five and a half, and I can take them up to 11 and a half, right? Which takes them over the key numbers of six, seven, and 10. So there's a lot of opportunity there for this to be a profitable venture, Um on the same note, I would do something like take the Chiefs down from 12.5 down to 6.5, which gets you through the key numbers of 10 and 7. So now, instead of the Chiefs needing to win by 13, they only have to win by 7 because now my new figure is minus 6.5, right? 
that three team teaser would pay two to one. Right. So not the sexy odds you get on a parlay where you're taking the lines where they stand. But less but risk. Cut, yeah, less risk and still a nice two to one. Who doesn't love a two to one payout? Less reward. Yeah. But substantially less risk, right? And especially in the NFL. This might not be the case in, in, in college football, but in the NFL, like you don't see a lot of blowouts in the NFL, right? The competitive balance of the NFL is is fantastic. Uh, much to your point of mentioning that the Lions covered 11 of 17 games this week, right? Like, teams just don't get crushed in the NFL that often. It happens, but I think way less often than people might think. And about half of the blowouts that do happen aren't the ones that Vegas suspects will happen. They're the other way around. It's the other way yeah. around. Yeah, it's- like the Cardinals losing by 17 at Detroit, right? right? Yeah, that's a tremendous example right there. Because... Uh, if you told people the Cardinals won by 17 at Detroit, no one would even blink an eye. Interesting note. Um, do you know that Vegas loses the, the book? Vegas loses roughly 77% of all teaser bets they take. Interesting. Wow. Do, do you know why it's profitable? I Please elaborate. Because of those outlier games you just mentioned. Because when you get games like Arizona at Detroit that just get crushed. Or you get games like Tampa Bay uh, uh, at the Jets, where they barely win at the Jets in uh, at, at the buzzer, right? Or you get the Jets beating the Bengals at home, right? Like, the variance is so extreme. Jags losing to the Colts in Week 18. Other way around, but yes. Or yeah, Jags beating the beating Colts. The Colts. Yeah, that's, that's another tremendous example, right? Because so many players if you will line up on those sides that the the outliers more than compensate for the overall losing percentage it's a weird facet of of the gambling economy that is but that i mean that makes a world of sense you're absolutely right about that because the those outliers are usually pretty extreme but they're usually on games that a lot of people are feeling heavy. safe to back. they're heavy yep. big time uh, any additional thoughts on the parlay teaser category before we move along? Here? I don't think so. I think the only the only thing that I might add on that that I find to be strategic in nature is that you know if you're going to play a parlay or you're going to play a teaser, maybe you back end it with a game that starts after all of your other legs have finished, right? So let's say you do a, a four team NFL teaser. I think there's value into making the last side the Monday night game or the Sunday night game. So going into that game, you know that you're three out of four and you can hedge a little bit, right? Hedge being placing a bet on the other side that you're on in your inherent teaser or parlay to try to make sure that you don't lose. Yeah. And you can wind up, and certainly in the parlay area, more than the teaser area, you can wind up in situations where your hedge can guarantee you're winning money no matter what the outcome is. Without question. that's a really nice. That's a really nice position to be sitting in when you're like, all right, I had a $20 five-way parlay. Boom. The last leg is on a Monday night. I'm going to bet the other side of the leg for 20 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever. 100 bucks. Sure, 100 whatever, bucks, right? yeah. And uh, uh, you're uh, walking uh, away with a profit no matter which way it lands. You're looking at a, a five-way play that if you hit the first four, you're going to get 15 to 1 on your money, right? So your $20 is going to turn into 300 if you win. Well, whatever. So throw 100 bucks on the other side, right? The worst thing that happens is you lose the parlay, but you make your 100 on the other side, so you get a profit of $100, right? If you win your parlay, you still get a profit of $200. So you, 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 can, you can mitigate your risk factor 
by deep diving your last leg of the parlay to give you the hedge opportunity. Love that. Tremendous explanation and a nice bonus term that we hadn't even gotten on our list here in hedging. Ah, Fantastic. That is some great stuff. Uh, what would you like to dive into next, amigo? We can go a couple different options here. Why don't we dive into uh, prop bets? I think prop bets are a fun thing to do. Prop bets are a very fun thing to do, and it can kind of give us a twofer in terms of things on this list that combine well. I do like a twofer. Who doesn't love a twofer? So prop bets, you most commonly have probably heard about prop bets around Super Bowl time. There's always a big list of prop bets that come out that often aren't game-related, or if they are, they're fringe game-related. You'll hear about betting on the over under how long the national anthem will go you'll bet yes. <laughs> you can bet on all sorts of weird bizarre over under six doritos commercials i've seen like you can nice. bet on commercials throughout this there, there's an insane number of prop bets that come out around the super bowl and i think that's where this term is most recognizable for the average person two things i want to add right now first of all uh the national anthem always goes over. Always over. Like just, I mean, yeah, hammer that over. Like if you if you want to watch the Super Bowl and have fun before the game starts, like just bet the over on the national anthem. Yeah, it's gonna go over. Two Absolutely. minutes and thirteen seconds. It's gonna go over by seven seconds. Yeah, it happens every year. Last year, this bet got spooked because somebody actually filmed a recording of the practice national anthem from outside the stadium and leaked it. Prior to the game this. starting, and the the bet was taken off the books, yep. and it went over by. It was an insert. It was a ludicrous time. It was like eleven seconds over the anticipated timeline. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, that is a fun little gimme. But prop bets can also relate more directly into the game, and then a common way that you see them will be individual player statistics. You'll Correct. Find a lot of yeah. That, so that was... you'll find a lot of like. Uh, let's stick with the. Raiders game, mm. you'll find a prop bet of Derek Carr throws for over 286.5 yards. Fantastic. Or you'll find a prop bet of Jamar Chase receives for over 90.3, 90.5 yards. Sure, yeah. Things of that nature. Both um, both of those numbers are, are drastically inflated, which is a point we're going to uh, get back to. But yeah, I mean, you're looking at it, it, yardage props, touchdown props, uh, reception props. A combination of reception and rushing yards you, you can, can even find combined do, for some guys. Uh, well, well, total yards, total right? yardage, rushing and receiving yeah. yards. yards. Um, you can even do uh, team props, right? Mm-hmm. Team points scored, team touchdowns scored. Betting on things that aren't directly part of the competitive outcome, but are facets of the game and are interesting. Uh, prop bets uh, also have the widest variance, as you can tell, between talking about national anthem versus player statistics versus yeah. the coin toss, which is, to me, just why are you ever betting the coin toss? It's a 50-50 that's completely random. Don't well, bet the coin toss. Well, I, and and you're, you're paying juice on it. Yeah, right? you're paying juice. Like, ju- like pay- why would you pay juice? if Like, I could just look at you and be like, hey, let's flip a coin and not pay juice, right? Like, yeah. if you and I flip a coin, are you going to charge me 10% if I win? Like, yes. I fucking hope not because I'm going to take all my beer out of the fridge and you're not getting any beers for the rest of the game. Shit. All right. In that case, then no, I won't. But I was very tempted to charge you the juice. Juice? That was a good one. Here's the deal, Deez. Heads or tails. By the way, if you lose, you owe me 10%. Like, <laughs> what? By the way, if you win, you also owe me 10%. Oh, oh. Even worse. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, th- this is this little segment is definitely going to lead to Nick and I drunk betting each other on coin tosses mm-hmm. in the future. That's mm-hmm. I can definitely see how this is going to devolve in our future. That we're going to wind up just playing competitive heads or tails. Competitive coin toss. <laughs> coin toss. The ultimate of all competitions. Yeah. Also a sign that you might be a bit of a degenerate gambler if you want to gamble on competitive coin toss. Only if you pay juice. Only if you pay the juice. That's right. To segue and still talk about prop bets, I want to mention one of Nick and I's favorite prop betting mechanics out there in the app world. There's a lot of gambling apps. Of course, you've got your MGM, your DraftKings, and FanDuel, and all of these mainstream ones that you see commercials for all over the place. There are also more fringe betting apps, such as one of our favorites, Underdog. The best thing about Underdog, I hate to cut you off, Please. but this is very, very important, is that Underdog, and also there's another site out there called Prize Picks, that's also a, a prop betting structured uh, app, website, company, is that these are actually legal in all 50 states. I don't know how they escape the legality of, of, of sports betting, but apparently if you don't bet on the outcome of games, but you only bet on certain individual performances, that's not considered sports betting. So you can do underdog in every state in the country. I guess they count, count it. I guess they must have gotten to a gray area where it counts more like fantasy sports than sports gambling. I, I presume. Because you're betting on individual athletes' performances, not game outcomes. I mean, I, I would presume that's the case, but the kicker for me in terms of why I don't understand it is that they still take, they still collect and distribute money. Right. Like, that's why I would think would make it gambling. Same. But, hey, whatever. We don't care about that. We do not. This is not a legal podcast. But you can, no matter what state you're in, you can create an account on Underdog Prize Picks, and you can start start putting in plays on, on prop bets tomorrow, if you want. Big time. And one of the things that we love on Underdog is they do a... You can do... A prop bet parlay of up to five different legs. And uh, if you pick five different player props, you get 20 to 1 as your return. Doesn't they, matter what the player props are you pick. If you pick five player props, you're getting 20 to 1 if you hit them all. And they incorporate all sports is what I like about this, right? Football props, basketball props, hockey props. I had a prop that I put together last night that involved Nathan McKinnon, center for the Colorado Avalanche, over three and a half shots. Just shots. Nice. Not goals, not assists, just shots. Shots, shots yeah. on that. Everything, right? And uh, Dees and I have been known to put together numerous different NFL props parlays on prop swap. I'm sorry, on uh, on underdog on a weekly basis. It was and, one of uh, our favorite things to do this NFL season. I would argue. I think that it might be my favorite thing to do and my most successful thing that I did throughout the course of the year. We we hit a number of five team hits and twenty to one. So. If you gamble $5 each time you do one of these, I feel like you are insanely likely to hit at least one of the 20 times that you one put together five. One out of 20? That you pick five players who you like their stats to do blank on any given week. I feel like you're bound to more than once out of 20 times pick five players who correctly do the thing you predicted. Well, and you know what you do is this is something that's going to come up. We're, we're going to have a DFS explanation episode very soon that's going to talk about strategy, lineup building, correlation, ways to fundamentally 
build a lineup that make mathematical sense, but you can do the same thing in what we're talking about right now where, like, let's just say that you pick a game that you think is going to be a high-scoring game, right? Like, I, I, I don't know how to not keep coming back to this Raiders-Bengals game, but let's say, for the record, you think this Bengals game is going to be a shootout, right? Well, just stack the overs on whatever you think is going to happen, right? Like, if you think this game is a shootout, give me Joe Burrow over 280 yards. Give me Jamar Chase over 87 yards, right? Because if Jamar Chase goes over 87, then Joe Burrow probably goes over 280 or vice versa, right? Like, one of those things is hard to happen without the other one happening, right? Great example. And should that be the case then why not come back on the other side of the spectrum and give me Hunter Renfro over 64 yards, right? Because if Chase and Burrow are lighting it up, well, then the Raiders have to play offense too, right? Right. So in that scenario, then they have to put up yards. So if you can stack numerous propositions in one game, your odds of winning mathematically increase by a wide margin because it, it basically turns three props into one prop, right? Like you're not betting on Chase and Burrow and Renfro going over X amount of yards. You're betting on this being a high scoring affair. And, and if this is a high scoring affair, teams there doing it. and if this is a high scoring affair, then these things pretty much have to happen, right? In all good likelihood. Now, granted, there's always the outlier possibility of that, course. X different player was the big receiver of the day for the Bengals. Whether T Higgins or whoever is the one who insanely went off and Jamar Chase only got 60 some yards right. or, uh, or the, the Bengals just pounded the shit out of the Raiders and Renfro only got 40 yards because the Raiders just couldn't play any offense. Sure. There's all these things are of course possible, but like he's saying your strong likelihood, if your intuition is that this will be a high scoring affair, why not take multiple players within it? And you Just can bet unders on all these props as well. So you don't have to pick on guys that you love to perform. Sometimes it can be like, uh, holy shit, they expect this guy to get 65 rushing yards? Where are those yards going to come from? He gets 10 carries a game. I'm betting the under. Or they think so-and-so is going to throw for 270 against that defense? No, I'm taking the under. This team's not going to do shit today. So you can, of course, read the terrain in different directions. It doesn't have to be overs on all these. They're just more fun to bet overs than unders. It's more fun to cheer for a thing to happen than to cheer against a thing happening, for me personally. It's a, it's a great point you made, and I, I, wa- I want to make a, an example out of what you just said. Like, I think that game script has a lot to do with what you're mentioning, right? Like, so talking about over-unders and what you anticipate happening, right? Like, unders are, are boring to bet, right? They're not exciting, right? Not exciting. You don't want to bet on a receiver not catching a ball. You don't want to bet on a shooting guard bricking a three. (laughs) You don't want to bet on a running back getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage. That's just not fun. No. It's not exciting, right? But And to to add to your point, hurts even more when they break your heart and do the thing. Oh, I know. Hurts even... It hurts more when you bet someone's going to go under a stat and they go well over it then vice versa. Like, and then something exciting happens in real life, and you're like, oh, that's not cool. Yeah. That's, that's not fun. No, right? no fun. That being said, if you're looking for angles, right, like let's choose the Chiefs-Steelers game, right? 
I assume that Kansas City is going to come out and just smoke Pittsburgh in the first half. Like, I would not be surprised if Casey is crushing Pittsburgh in the first half of this game. So should that be the case, and this is important in terms of prop bets, how is Najee Harris accumulating a lot of rushing yards in the second half when they're losing by 25 points? He is not, my friend. He is not, right? So if you can come up with a decision about how you think a game strip is going to go and then take advantage of it, this is like the kind of big example that I'm referencing, right? Big time. Huge example there. And uh, to elaborate on that point, it's another great example of a spot where if he's correct about that first half and the Chiefs come and just put it on him, you can slide in and find some fun second-half action on the Steelers tightening that window a little bit because the Chiefs' offense is more just running out the clock and the Steelers are throwing the ball downfield and maybe get lucky a time or two. Which is probably going to happen because Ben Roethlisberger, like, basically sleeps in a coffin for the first half of football games and then, like, turns it up in the second half, right? Well, yeah, he's old. He can't play a full four, four quarters of good football. Might as well play two good quarters in the second half. For sure. But wouldn't you think he would get a nap at halftime as opposed to, like, the first quarter? Like, I would think, like, an old guy would, like, not take a nap before the game starts. Hey, Ben Roethlisberger like, has always through. done it different than other you people. You can nap when you want to nap, man. Yeah, I'm not he, mad at you, Ben. Yeah, free roam napper. And uh, that's going to be a sad way for Big Ben's career to come to an end. But they're going to get lit. They're oh, they're going to get lit. Uh, and, this as is, and actually, here's I want to dial it back a little bit. Like, could this be the teaser angle that Vegas crushes, right? Like, we talked about like how there's always one game of the week that Vegas like wins enough on based on bad teasers. Like, is this the one? Is there a way that Pittsburgh like just scores? 15 points in the last five minutes of the game for no reason whatsoever to still get blown out, but, like, they somehow only lose by six? I mean, there's also is this Is this the Vegas game? This very well could be from a couple angles, both from that individual angle and from the angle of this Steelers defense is probably one of the best defensive units in this playoff chase here. Uh-huh. Um, uh, like, overall, you've got the Defensive Player of the Year candidate in Watt uh, on the one side of the ball. There. But that's and it. Like, yeah, their, their secondary I mean, is, is questionable. The secondary is questionable. And like I like you, I believe the Chiefs will come out and light up the Steelers. Yeah. However, if that doesn't happen that way or to such extremes, then you're absolutely right. The path to this being the teaser that breaks a lot of people is definitely there if the Steelers are just able to kind of just hang around. I think it's this one. That makes a lot of sense. And I feel like so so often the case is it's the game with the huge gaudy spread. Always. Because huge gaudy spreads don't cover that often. Always. All the examples we just mentioned. Tampa Bay at the Jets. Colts at Jacksonville. It, it, it's, it's yeah. always that way. Uh, there was a week. So Nick and I have been rehearsing various episode concepts for months as we've been getting ready to launch this podcast concept. And one of the episodes we did in the rehearsal phase, one Sunday afternoon this season, was a day in which there was five different games with a team favored by over 10 points, I want to say it was. Yeah. There was one day that we were sitting here kind of at a loss because we were trying to make our – we were doing five different picks on the day – building a daily fantasy lineup and doing some other things all as an individual episode about some bets we liked for the week. And there was just a ton of these massive dogs. And I think you and I each only dabbled into one of them. I picked one that I was willing to play. And the rest, I was like, I don't, 
I don't trust a lot of these super heavy favorites. It's I, a new thing, right? Because as someone that's been betting on on football for almost two decades, uh, like 11, 12, 13, 14 point spreads, they didn't happen 10 years ago, right? Like that, that was not a thing, right? Right. For a number of reasons. I think, A, that the the offensive mindset and the ability to put up points in a hurry was not existent 10 years ago, right? Also, I think, you know, like it or not, I think there was a little bit more parity 10 years ago than there is today. I mean, there are bad teams in the NFL. There just are, you know? There, there always have been, but previously there was like one, two, maybe two and a half bad teams. Now there's like five, six really shitty teams in the NFL. Like really bad. Every year almost. Every year. Yeah. And they're like really bad. Like the Texans, Lions, Giants, Jets, Jaguars, those are horrible football teams. All of them are really terrible at football. They're they're just sheer garbage. Most of them have been really terrible at football for a number of years in a row now. Weirdly enough. Which, uh, well, uh, you know what's weird is that the the Texans are the exception. I know. (laughs) That is the funniest part is that, yes, the Texans are the outside looking in of this where they're only, they're new terrible. The Texans are, are two years away from slaughtering the Chiefs in a playoff game at halftime. That's true. That like is they, a true they were crushing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Texans are what we call new terrible. They're new shitty. Yeah, new yeah. shitty yeah. versus uh, Every these new other York teams team. are steady shitty. Steady shitty. Yes. They're what's called new poor. Mm-hmm. World poor. Yeah. They stay shit in the bed. <laughs> nice. So that, that covers uh, prop bets pretty well. Also, uh, in combination of prop bet parlays, talking about one of our favorite apps, Underdog. Oh, the big comparison I want to make here, because you pointed this out, Underdog gives you twenty to one for that five for that five leg prop parlay. Fantastic odds. You Prize know what? Gives you ten to one. Ten to one. Same. Same, same outlay. Same app, just with a different cover. Yeah, terrible. Ten to one versus twenty to one. Well, formulas are my formula for moolah. <laughs> Ted, get in here. If you're looking for secondary apps you want to have some fun on, Underdog definitely gives you a lot more bang for your buck in that specific regard. Also, Underdog, if you are looking for sponsorship opportunities, we advocate use of your app over prize picks. We sure do. And we will keep doing so. So, Underdog, shout out to you. Uh, get at us if you want us to just continually shout you out. Or Free if you content. Just give it, yeah. For now. We're going to just keep doing it for you in the short term. We're going to keep And if eventually you want to start paying us, that'd be really cool. Yeah. We like when people pay us for things. Also, no desire for retroactive payment. No desire. Yeah. Absolutely zero. We might want retroactive. No, just kidding. We don't want it. No, we don't want it. No, this is all free, baby, up front. We're just here to tell you our love of the underdog. But uh, let's Also move. pay us retroactively. Yeah. If you want to. Like, only if you want to. But do it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Real money. Real money. Real dollars. Live action. Uh, what's the next angle you want to tackle, my friend? Where do you want to go, Holmes, man? We can go a couple different directions, dude. Let's cover the broad strokes of daily fantasy real quick, though. Just a more quick explanation of daily... If you're joining us in this podcast feed, odds are pretty good you've played fantasy sports in your past. Odds are pretty good that you've at least been a part of some fantasy football league. Perhaps even in another sport as well. Maybe you're really into hockey, baseball, or basketball. 
All three of those have fantasy sports as well, but are certainly less popular than football. Daily fantasy takes action from one very small stretch of time, one set of games. Um, one day. One, well, one weekend for the NFL and or day. You can, do, you can do a single day on Sunday or a Sunday-Monday combo or a Thursday through Monday combo. So technically in the NFL, you can wind up across a few days in the daily technically. Whereas basketball, baseball, hockey... You're assembling a lineup just of the games that are happening that day and players within those games. And all of that's really fun to do. And keep your ears peeled for a future episode of some of our thoughts on constructing a daily fantasy lineup that is optimized to try to win you some money and optimized to score well. But we just wanted to at least broad strokes cover the difference that daily fantasy is a fun outlet if you're playing seasonal fantasy and doing poorly. It's a really nice way to kind of uh, coat that bitter pill that you're swallowing as your team falls to two and seven. You just equated the NFL regular season to a cough drop. Yeah. Like, that's pretty much how I felt. Like, I felt like like the uh, the first nine weeks of the NFL were just like a bad cold that you couldn't get rid of. Could not get rid and of. And now you're like, I just signed up for a fan duel because it's like, Financial Ricola. Financial Ricola. Re- yeah, like I, I, I don't have enough money to go to Sweden and like swallow a piece of bark, but I'm gonna do this instead. That Swedish bark is expensive, my friend. God, you, you gotta watch out it's, for it's, that. It's stuff. more. Exp- it's it's their number two outsource other than chocolate. Yeah, I've I've heard that before. Uh, I've also heard if you actually take some of the Swedish chocolate and just dribble it ever so nicely across the Swedish bark, that is a delicacy right there, sir. That's what the squirrel outside my porch is waiting for because the random full slices of bread and apples that my condo neighbor has been throwing at them do not seem to be hitting the spot. So they're uh, yeah, they've taken light nibbles just, on these, just things. holding out for uh, some nice Whitman's chocolate box. Yeah, well, they're they're squirrels of means, sir. They're squirrels with high taste, top notch, top notch squirrels. Very cute squirrels, I might add. Uh, let's slide along. To Who throws a full slice of bread at a squirrel? Can we talk about this? Like, I, <laughs> I just, I, I, I can't wrap my head around like walking outside in your condo and being like, oh, these squirrels are really cute. They play with each other. There's a brown one. There's a black one. They get down. They chase each other. They do their thing. I'm gonna throw a full slice of rye bread at the squirrels. <laughs> like there are three slices of bread on the ground and now, three apples. And a full apple. Hey, when you're mesmerized by the squirrel cuteness, things happen in your brain. Like you I feel stop like, thinking as clearly. You're like, just like looking around frantically like, quick, what can I feed these cute-ass fucking squirrels? I, Bread and apples. This is what I got. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. But, the, but then you do it three times. Like one slice of bread, I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. But like, the did triple you, down. Did you see that the squirrel did not like the full slice of Meyer wheat bread, so you threw two more at them? Like... There's going to be a day, right, when I have to put, like, my mother or my stepfather in, like, a senior community. And I'm like, listen, when you feed the ducks, you have to, like, separate the bread. you got to pull pieces off the bread for the ducks. You can't just throw a full slice at the ducks, <laughs> right? But I'm talking about, like, elderly, like, borderline Alzheimer's people. Like, why does my, like, middle-aged neighbor think you can just chuck a full slice of bread at a squirrel and he's going to like it? Is this weird? It's weird. I, I have no counter retort to that weirdness, sir. It is a bizarre thought process. But like I said, when one the is... The slice of bread is bigger than the squirrel. 
when one is that mesmerized by the cuteness of a squirrel, all logic goes out the window. I presume. You know, as it's strictly like, I want to give this squirrel something at all costs and I will fucking do it. How would you feel? Let's, let's, let's flip it around real quick. How would you feel if a squirrel threw a man-sized piece of bread at you? Like a six-foot-tall slice of bread. So... Would you eat it? I have two feelings on the subject. Start with the first. The first is... I would like to see the squirrel big enough to lob the six foot piece of bread at me. I know. So we're talking like Godzilla sized squirrel in this scenario. Yeah. That's a world I kind of want to live in. Like it's kind of horrifying, but also like crazy cute. They have that. It's called Czechoslovakia. Oh, the Czech squirrel's particularly giant. Well, it's the Czech Republic nowadays. But yeah, Czech. Let's be proper about this. Well, I didn't. I was unfamiliar with the giant squirrels of the Czech Republic. They have nuclear squirrels. Mm, yeah, all that sweet, sweet nuke juice flying through. Mm. And that makes sense. That makes sense. So then my second thought is, yes. yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to try to eat that six-foot piece, six piece of bread. I mean, really? like, I'm at least going to take some nip, much like these squirrels did. I'm going to take a couple light nibbles off it. I don't know that I'm going to be able to consume the whole six-foot piece of bread, but I'd take a nibble or two if it was from my squirrel overlord friend. They were <laughs> the, the squirrel overlord. Well, I mean, the thing's way bigger than me. It's clearly an overlord in this Monster. situation. All right. Which of these categories do you want to bounce to next? Do we have any additional things we want to cover in today's episode here? Other than squirrels? Well, we always cover squirrels. Uh, that do we? I guess we we'll always find out. we always cover squirrels. <laughs> nah. Tune in. <laughs> Tune in. Next Future week. broadcast squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I'd always like to cover squirrels. I should say we can always do this. We can always do this. We can go into best ball when we do our daily fantasy. All that's that going to be its kinda. own thing. Let's let's dive into like some 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 fun some fun gambling terms that you might not hear on the regular, if you will. And, and by will. the regular, I mean regular like monster squirrels throwing pieces of bread at you, which we cover on a daily basis. That's our get down, sir. However, more like terms you might hear, you know, when you're 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 kicking it at the bar, you're watching a football game, you're doing a little bit of this, one of these, a little bit of that. And, uh, you know, some guys next to you are, are shooting the shit, and you want to make sure you know what they're talking about, right? Hell yeah, I do. And odds are, they don't know what they're talking about, because they don't listen to this podcast. Yeah, yet. Until you tell them about the podcast. Well said. Well said. What's what's your first favorite? I, uh, I right off the bat, because you've got a few things listed here, I would like to know what a moose is, sir. A moose is... I mean, outside of the cute animal with the giant antlers. Um, what was the... Uh, or outside of the cartoon that hangs out with the flying squirrel a lot. Oh, moose and squirrel. Moose and squirrel. Moose and Boris. Boris? Boris, like no, like a, mo- a moose. I very much like a, the squirrel. Yeah, I very much like uh, vodka and uh, rifles. I use a rifle to shoot squirrel, but squirrel suffers. So fast, so hard to shoot. So fast, run so many miles, escape my bread. <laughs> Do you think Boris lives upstairs? Oh man, if he does, then that would actually uh, help explain uh, all the pieces uh, of rye bread being uh, fed to your squirrels. Uh, try to catch squirrels so much, so much, so poorly. A moose is the equivalent of the B2. Of our podcast. A moose is... A bad It's beat? like a bad beat on steroids, Ooh. right? A moose is something that should never, ever, ever happen in sports. But sometimes it happens, and sometimes you're on the wrong end. And for 
whatever reason, you only remember when you're on the wrong side of it. Because there are times that a moose happens and it's good for you, but you never remember that. You only recall when it does not work for you, right? I'll give you a tremendous example of something that happened to me this week, uh, a couple days ago. As a matter of fact, I had a... You got moosed. Reasonable wager in a college basketball game. I had Iowa State minus four and a half against Texas Tech. So as a reminder, that is Iowa State favored to win by four and a half points. Well done. Yeah. So they had to win by five for me to cover. Iowa State minus four and a half. They are basically dominating the entire game. It was a home game in Ames, Iowa. I almost exclusively bet on home teams in college basketball. I think the advantage there is higher than in any other sports sporting event. That is fascinating, but I do feel like that holds a lot of accuracy. That's a legit thing. For sure. And I mean, that's a thing that people that are moderate fans and larger of college basketball probably understand inherently without ever having connected those dots specifically. When you think about some of the more famous home game environments in any sport, some of the first handful that come to mind are in college basketball. I mean, Cameron Indoor Stadium. Iconic. Roy Williams Arena. Iconic. All of them, right? Yeah. Soon to be a Tom Izzo Arena. Yeah, the, is, the Izzone. All of them. Yeah. All of them. The uh, uh, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. What's the name of the dome where Syracuse plays? Oh, God. I can't remember what that place is called either. But yes, that is uh, another one that... Hasn't felt as prominent in recent years with Cuse not quite being the program they once were in college basketball, but still of historical significance. But those are all tough places to play. The pit where New Mexico plays. Historically, horrible place to play on the road. Horrible, right? All these things hold water. So I'm sitting on Iowa State minus four and a half. They're playing Texas Tech. Texas Tech is riddled by COVID. They're missing numerous players. Iowa State is dominating the entire game. They, I, I think the last time Texas Tech had a lead was 41 seconds into the game. So Iowa State has literally been winning for 39 minutes of a 40-minute basketball Cyclones game. be cycloning. Iowa State's up by five. Time is ticking, ticking, ticking off the clock. Ohio, Iowa State forward gets fouled, approaching the basket, goes to the line. Immediately, my fear is that... This guy's going to brick both free throws, and I'm screwed here, right? Because this is what happens. No, he buries both free throws. Drains. Nothing but net. No, no question. Seven. No question. Seven-point lead, five seconds on the clock. Whatever. Nothing to worry about, right? No. Wrong. Wrong. Texas Tech inbounds the ball. Guard races up the court, crosses half court, jacks a 35-foot three-pointer at the buzzer, and buries it. Off the glass. Ooh. For no reason whatsoever. He didn't call a glass. I heard. I listened. Yeah. His lips didn't even move. There I picked, was no up, verbal I picked call. up the, the on court mic. He didn't call a glass, but just drains a three as time expires for literally no reason whatsoever. Other than to screw a lot of games. So instead of w- losing by seven, they lost by four, which was my moose of my Iowa State minus four. That is a big That's fat a moose. moose, sir. That's a moose. That is, a, that is such a fat moose. Yeah. It might even be a moose knuckle. Yeah. Oh, God. I Fuck like that me. a whole oh, lot more. Than, yeah. I uh, really took that to a place, people. That's a moose. That's something that should never happen and has no consequence 
but alters your outcome. Altered outcome indeed. Uh, just garbage time basket. Meaningless basket. How about a mush, Dees? You know what a mush? I have no idea what a mush is. Other than a, a way that I do not like my cereal. Your boy likes crunchy cereal, that was not the worst. some mushy shit. Get out of here. It's the worst. What about booberry? Booberry's okay, but like, I don't know. Booberry is the best cereal ever. What? Yes. Dude, give me Captain Crunchberries over Booberry. Wrong. Give me Count Chocula over Booberry. Yeah, similar branding, but no. Similar branding. But hey, you know, to each their own. I'm not here to tell you which cereal vampire you should be most invested <laughs> in as a human. I'm here to Booberry you all day long because Booberry, hands down, best cereal ever. Um, a man like Booberry. A mush is a guy that has an uncanny knack for ruining any bet. You know mushes. You just don't know this term, right? Can you think of a time when you were working in the uh, the food and beverage community, maybe behind a bar, and uh, some guy came in and said, oh, dude, wait for this. Ohio State is going to crush so-and-so. And right away, your thought was, okay, they're screwed, because this guy is always wrong. Yeah, I've got, I've got a few a of those mush. in my head. So the mush isn't a person involved with the game. A mush is a bad gambler? A mush is a guy that just seems to always have uncanny bad luck, right? Mm. A mush can be a guy that maybe you're doing a uh, a fantasy football and a fantasy or a fantasy basketball draft, and as soon as this guy drafts somebody, you're like, yeah, he's gonna tear his ACL because that's just what happens to this guy, right? Okay. Like a mush is a guy that just maintains horrible luck and basically inadvertently curses teams or players throughout his entire life. So Matt Grossi. Matt Grossi is a mush. Ah, love him to death. Dear yeah. Palavars. Matty, yeah. if you're listening, yeah. sorry, buddy. We love you. But you're a mush. What a mush. Yeah. The minute that this guy says, you know who's going to be fucking sweet this year is Raheem Mostert. Like, you might as well just go Jack. You might as well go Tanya Harding him in the knee because he's done. <laughs> that's not a, a mush. lot of Tanya Harding references these days, but I like it. We're staying topical out here. That's. That's that's what a mush is. And you know some mushes. And everybody listening knows mushes. They just don't know what they are. Sure. Until you hear this term. And then you're going to listen to this. And next year, 2022, the uh, the junior year of COVID, by the way. COVID is entering its upper Ooh, echelon years. It's, it's an upperclassman. Upperclassman COVID. COVID. Has, has made it to it, – it, it's playing varsity. Man, I got to tell you, that is one player I was really hoping wasn't going to graduate. No, I was COVID. Really hoping, I was really hoping they'd be one and done and enter the draft. And like go undrafted, but like nope, COVID is uh, staying has dedicated to staying aboard. Twenty twenty two COVID is is entering its varsity season. It's a junior this year. It uh, it's probably gonna have on like a like a smoking jacket and uh, going to prom. I don't know, maybe not a, like maybe like a vaping jacket. I guess yeah, definitely. people that wear smoke. It's like a vaping jacket. Yeah, it's like a vaping jacket. But yeah, next year you're gonna be sitting. In your fantasy draft, and somebody's going to draft somebody, and immediately you're going to say, this guy's fucked. Only because this mush drafted him. He just he just blew his knee out. Yep. Yep. That, we all know a mush. You're right. Uh, that, is a, that is a fun term. I like that. Okay. I like that. Also makes me think of smush, which Ooh. is, uh, which is a, just a cool word. Not really one that's gambling relevant, but there's also, uh, it just is, it's a fun sounding word. When you smush some stuff together. I thought that this was going to turn into like a Snooky reference at some point. Gotta find a way past it. What does it want? Sounds like it wants smush, smush. 
I was waiting for that Jersey Shore thing. I, I never watched Jersey Shore. I actually don't really understand references to that show. I don't blame you. No. I dodged that one. I do know a very cute cat named Smush. I think Smush, she was just Smush. Because he's got a smushy face. Oh. His does the cat look like His face looks Snooki? like it was just smushed in a bit. So does Snooky. Hmm. Well, then maybe the cat does look like Snooky. I couldn't really identify Snooky by, by a visual. If I Snooky is a mush. Mm. I guarantee you. That tracks. Yeah. Well, with a name like Snooky. If Snooky ever bets on a sporting event, just bet the other side right away. I like it. That's 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 Total some sage mush. wisdom. Any other terms you want to hit in this here fine episode, my friend? Other than Snooky? Other than Snooky. That's it. That's it. Well, nice. I feel like we've ran the game, but pretty well here. As I'm looking down our list, we kind of hit all the core items we wanted to talk about, at least. There's other gambling terminology you'll come across out there. And feel free to blast us in the uh, social medias if you want to know about a term. Hit we'll, us in the hotspots. Yeah, hit us out there. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We are on Facebook. And um, once again, D2B2Sports. Hit that follow button right here on this subscription, right up on this feed, or the subscribe button, or the like button, whichever thing brings you back to listen to future content, because we're going to be rolling stuff out here weekly. Bi-weekly, a couple times, a few times a week. We're going to be blasting you with uh, all sorts of different topics, ranging from gambling advice, fantasy advice, fantasy drafts of weird other properties of the world. Nonsensical properties Nonsensical properties of the world. We will be doing a collaboration with another podcast I'm a part of called The Morons of the Multiverse, in which Nick and I here, along with my co-host of that show, will be drafting superhero characters to build a football team. So keep your ears out for that. That's coming around the bend in the near future. Should be there's a lot gonna of be, fun. There's going to be a lot of fun coming your way. There's going to be a lot of good quality statistical analysis. You can anticipate a lot of just straight-up nonsense oh, filtered lots of nonsense. in here and there. But there's going to be good content as well, right? So ideally, we want to appeal to everybody, right? If you're a sports guy, if you're a sports gal, if you're a nonsense guy, if you're a nonsense gal, it's all going to work, right? Oh, yeah. Everything's going to fit together. If you enjoy listening to weird people ramble on about God knows what, that's going to happen as well in the sports world. But it's going to be entertaining. And I think if you tune in and you last, you're going to be rewarded. You will not be a mush. Yeah, it's certainly not going to be a mush anymore if you stay tuned with what we're doing. We hope to take you from a mush... All the way to the other side of the spectrum. Or at least from mush to a smush. Ooh, I like that. So the smush is like a cute, good at gambling person? Yeah. yeah. But ideally, from a mush to a smash, as in smash those books. Love that. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, I'm Derek Weber. Nikki Sager. And as always, you stay classy, Planet Earth. D2, B2. This episode was brought to you in partnership with Good Fun Media, with podcasts like D2B2 Sports, Morons of the Multiverse, and After the Laugh Track. We're cutting it up about the things we're most passionate about as fans, ranging from sports, sitcoms, Marvel fandom, and other things that overlay into those topics. Make sure to check check them all out. You can go to goodfun.media for links to the other podcasts. And uh, social media-wise, you can find us on Twitter. You can find at D2B2Sports. You can find us on Instagram at D2B2Sports. And, you know, if you haven't already, hit that follow button. Just do it. It'll feel good.